Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Back to local sports here on these radio frequencies as we take you up until noon. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Michael Swain going to join us. He covers Iowa State at CycloneAlert.com. Bottom of the hour, around that time frame, we'll get Michael in here, uh, get back to talking Iowa State and Oregon and the Fiesta Bowl. They get to play basketball, the men do, coming up uh, this Saturday. It's good to have them back on the hardwood, but boy, oh boy, their schedules we talked about last <laughs> week. Ready or not, here comes the Big 12. Uh, we'll see if they're ready. Baylor will test them right off the bat. And uh, Michael just actually going to join us at 11.05 before Zubin Mahente. It'll be John Bonacamp oh, to okay. begin things here today at 10.30. We'll talk plenty of Big Four hoops with him. A little Hawkeye football as the season comes to a close and the frustrations uh, continue. A lot of upset people uh, about that front. I want to give Bonacamp, a guy that's been on a beat for a long time, kind of his perspective on that. And, of course, a lot of college basketball, as always, with John Bonecamp. As, as, absolutely. And we'll talk about his Dodgers, who will be circling the drain as the Padres. So certainly, well, maybe we shouldn't go that <laughs> no, no, far. No, no, no. Uh, but anyway, so John Bonecamp first, then Michael Swain yes. at 11.05, and then our friend Zubin Mahente, who was back on television over the weekend. Uh, Zubin did a little ESPN Sports Center. Of course, now doing mornings, uh, radio, ESPN, uh, their morning show over on ESPN Radio. So we'll catch up with our friend Zubin. There's plenty of college football playoff coverage coming up on uh, ESPN this weekend, so we'll tap into that uh, for a little bit. I hate it when the weather men and women are right, and they were right in this case. Uh, news normally is the other way around. You're pissed off when they get one wrong. Uh, today's one of those occasions where they got one right, and so far they have hit this one right on the head. Although it seems like... An I'm talking about the storm that if you haven't looked outside in the last half hour or so, it's here, um, snowing sideways. It seems to be not maybe as strong as it was uh, 20 minutes or so, but it's but it's here and it's going to be here for the next, um, I think the, the winter storm watch is in effect here in central Iowa until tomorrow morning at some time. So brace yourselves for this. We've got Hawkeye hardwood basketball tonight. Northwestern will be uh, the opponent, those... Uh, Northwestern Wildcats are off to a start, are they not? And it's not like they're beating, as you said yesterday, the Nebraskas of the Big Ten or some of the bottom feeders. They are picking off Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Did that on a Sunday night a couple of weeks back, the Sunday before Christmas. Followed that up with a win over Indiana. In Assembly Hall. Right, exactly. And then uh, then came home and beat Ohio State, but a top 25 team in their own right. Uh, so Northwestern, uh, Chris Collins has that team playing exceptionally well. Boy, this Big Ten. How about last night? Yes. I mean, a couple of upsets, right? Maryland. Uh, and, uh, of course, Minnesota put, picks off another top ten Big Ten team as Michigan State uh, falls to the Gophers last night, who um, built on their win over Iowa on Christmas night. So this conference is going to be as good as advertised. Because of that, expectations for Iowa basketball. Preseason, top five, top ten at the very least. Yeah, but I think five was fair when some, some people had them there, and I think that, was, that wasn't a stretch. Consensus, top ten, though. Yep. 
the Big Ten is incredibly difficult. It was last year. Mm-hmm. But they were, what were they last year? 11-9 and nine in conference play? I'd, I'd have to pull it back up. Um, seems like they should be in that neighborhood, but I'll let's defer say to you. Eleven nine, twelve and let's say they go this year twelve and eight. Okay. In this big ten. Yeah. Only one non conference loss. Mm-hmm. But they're going to go into Against the, the number one team in the country. <laughs> right. But they're going to go into the NCAA tournament or into the Big Ten tournament, I should say, if there is a Big Ten tournament. With the record that doesn't look very good. You have nine losses. I don't think many people anticipated that. Yet, say they finish a tie for third. Illinois wins it, Wisconsin second, and then it's Iowa and whoever else. Think Hawkeye fans are pleased? Well, I think, you know what, Trent? Um, I, I, I think it's the it's the entire body of work. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they weren't, wouldn't be pleased with that, but then, you know, a couple of weeks later when they're into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament... Um, I think you forget the regular season record. I don't know. I can't speak for one. Yeah. Um, an interesting question. Interesting. Look, as you, to your point, I mean, all the ranked teams in this conference, right? Michigan's good. Illinois, as you mentioned, is 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 terrific. Northwestern's a pain in the you know what. You know, Sparty's a problem. The Buckeyes are going to be a problem. Rutgers mm-hmm. is going to be true. Don't Who they play Rutgers Saturday, next? Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, so that's not going to be. It's been a house easy. of horrors too out there they when have. Rutgers isn't good. That's for sure. And now they are good. That's a very good point. Uh, so the Big Ten is as good as advertised. Whoever wins it um, will have earned it. At twelve and eight, thirteen and seven, and another one that I just wonder about: if Iowa does still win a regular season title, first time since nineteen seventy nine, and let's say even on top of it, they win the Big Ten tournament. So you got two big things. And then, so you're going to go the other way, and you're going to have an, an early out? And they get to a sweet 16, but that's it. They're a two seed. They get beat by a three seed. Team really unequal playing field. Okay. How disappointing will that be for Iowa fans, or will that be enough? Oh, man, Trent. First regular season title in over 40 years. I would have to think that this one, yeah, that's enough. First Big Ten tournament title in 15 years. Right. First sweet 16 in over 20 years. But I have a feeling for some people, it won't be well, enough. You, I mean, you can find those people all the time, right? I think a bigger percentage than you would think, though. Maybe. And, and maybe it's just the reality of what how important the NCAA tournament is for people. Because you know what? If Iowa kind of slogs their way to 17 and 10, they're a 7 seed, but they make a run and get to an Elite 8, I think more people would be more excited about that. Well, I do, too. That's what it's about. Or get to a Final Four. Uh-huh. Than they would be with the aforementioned regular season title, tournament title, and a Sweet 16. Ah, but you didn't get to a Final Four. It's an unfortunate part about what the NCAA tournament is. And kind of what we've talked about with college football, too. It's all about the playoff now. It sure is. And it's man. certainly all about the NCAA tournament in basketball. No, no doubt about it. I mean, we're, we're seeing the, um, I mean, the, the Cotton Bowl has de- been decimated. Florida has, Florida's down to 60 scholarship players when they take on Oklahoma. When is that game? Friday night? Thursday night, you know what? Let me look. Let me get. Let me get the right date. It is. Uh, it is. It is. It is. It's got to be Friday tomorrow. Night. It is. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's six fifteen. Yes, six fifteen. Florida and Oklahoma. There's two games tomorrow. Wake Forest, Wisconsin. Of course, the one we care about is the most. Anyways, uh, was uh, was canceled in Florida, Oklahoma tomorrow night. Sixty players uh, will play in that game, but. Uh, that's the circumstances that we've been dealt. So last night, a whole bunch of streaks came to an end. I, look, at everybody's sick of the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. 
But you have to tip your cap to what they've done oh, yes. this century. Yeah. I mean, going back to 2000, for crying out loud, this was the first year in 20 years that they were swept by a team in their own division. First year in 20 years that that has happened. A whole bunch of these things, these incredible, may never see them again, streaks have come to an end. Look, nobody's shedding a tear. But while we're not shedding a tear, we should at least tip our cap. It's incredible. In a sport that does not lend itself to dynasties. No. This is not the way that you're supposed to be. That is what it's makes the NFL cap. great. <laughs> what makes football fans into their team every single year and brings hope mm-hmm. for teams on a yearly basis because we see how quick of a turnaround can happen. What was it? The NFC South for like seven consecutive years had a different champion year after year after year because it just kept rotating. Yeah. You see that because it can happen in the NFL to have that kind of sustainability, to be able to do it in a lot of different ways. From the beginning of that era, where it was built on defense and special teams, and then morphing into Tom Brady and doing it with the short mm-hmm. passing game, and then evolving further and having the deep threats with Randy Moss and taking that to an undefeated regular season, and on and on and on. The adaptability, the way to understand what that hard cap means and what actual value is of these guys and who you can bring in Ultimately, Tom Brady, the ultimate winner, making his cap number a little bit lower to help the team out. Those are the things. That is how you have that sustainability. It's something we'll never see again. I don't think so. Not over 20 years. No, I don't think so because, yeah, obviously you have to have a guy, a quarterback of of, uh, his caliber and is willing to work with the team as he did. And look at it paid off. He's got six rings for crying out loud. Think about that. And he's going to play for another one as his team is going to compete. I think they're going to be a pain in the you-know-what. You do. In the the NFC. I think they're playing their best football. Well, I guess. Look, the the last memory, the latest is the greatest. The Lions. Jesus, that was embarrassing. Boy, that that Lions team is really, really bad. In a year where there are some really bad football teams. You know what we are on the precipice of? Uh, Covering at least the biggest needle mover in this market when we get to the summer. We are about to be talking about a really bad baseball team on the north side of Chicago because they are gutting that bad boy. Uh, you Darvish out the door and the return. Like I like Zach Davis. You remember him in the uh, with with the Brewers. He was a, he's a good. He's not you Darvish, uh, but he's an innings eater. He can you know he's going to be there every fifth day. He's certainly not a top of the rotation guy. Uh, but when he was with Milwaukee, he, he was okay. He was okay. He was all right. But the return. Um, for and you throw Victor Carantini into the mix, who can, if there is a DH, and we still don't know if there is, he's certainly a backup catcher. He's Hugh Darvish's catcher, which is probably part and parcel one of the reasons that he went as part of that deal. But to only get back the 11th-ranked prospect in the Padres system, I get it, it's a crapshoot, but you would like to think that the Cy Young runner-up, a guy who's still got some years on his contract, who's still got some years on that right arm, uh, and is going to be a, a a force in that Padres rotation would have brought a little bit more. Maybe one of those guys that are ranked a little bit lower than they are, maybe they'll you know come to light because they're very young. Yeah, this is the main thing about it. They're very young, and they've. Uh, but there is a um, an abrupt change of. A philosophy over on the north side with the Cubs. This is not a team that's going to try and, oh, maybe they'll try and fib to you that they're, you know, that they're going to be competitive this year, but they are not. They 
There's no Theo Epstein. <laughs> There's no Hugh Darvish. There's no Kyle Schwarber to entertain you with those monster moonshots that he's uh, known to to hit. Who knows if Chris Bryant's going to be there? Look forward to talking to Cappy every week. Maybe more so this week than a long uh, than in some time. He'll join us tomorrow at eleven oh five. By the way, for those of you who missed him and wondered where he was last week, his mother passed away. Yeah. Um, so it was a tough, tough week for Cap, but he'll be back with us uh, tomorrow. And look forward to talking about that Cubs. Um, the moves that they're making. So what if they got left? I mean, it's Kyle Hendricks at the top of the rotation. Zach Davies, I guess he's the two now. Mm-hmm. Um, Mills. Yeah, right. Mr. No-Hitter. Uh, yeah, right. Forgot about that. <laughs> um, Alzali. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Lester. Is he coming back? Well, for, I, I, I think he would. A couple he, million? I think he's he's willing to work cheap. He's made all his money. Yeah, enough to pick up a couple right. of tabs of Miller Lite across the city. Uh, yeah, and you know what? I, I think that kind of gives us a little bit of a clue just what Chicago means yeah, to right. him. Yeah. Um, so I could see that happening. Um, Colin Ray? Yeah. He's been his bullpen guy since he's been mm-hmm. there, but... He's been incredibly good at AAA. Yes. We, we've seen him resurrect his career a guy that started with the Padres mm-hmm. and now coming full circle here it's they're not going to be very good no they're not and you can tell this is not going to be it is this a complete teardown now it seems like it well if it's a complete teardown then Chris Bryant's gone um or one of the other and I hope it's not Javier Baez yeah. that's going to get I think a lot of people myself included through the summers watching this wizard yeah whether he's tagging somebody out trying to steal second base or he's making a play at shortstop or that one of those moon shots that he hits when he swings out of his shoes for crying out loud and the ball leaves the ballpark uh it's going to be a different it's going to be a different year on the north side but you know what on the south side of Chicago meanwhile it's it's so bad for the Cubs uh, the White Sox stole their their television announcer in Len Casper, who's going over to do radio, albeit, but uh, uh, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. And the Cubs moved the needle in the summertime, and um, thank God for the Twins. And you know they're going. Your to Blue be Jays, good. yeah, but they don't. Nobody. Cares no, about but you'll them. be watching more Blue yeah, Jays. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Because the Cubs take up a big chunk of what you do. They do. Now it'll be more White Sox games. But you know what? Maybe it'll be like a car wreck. Maybe you got you'll to want to watch him. Yeah, well, you'll want to watch him. Did they announce the play-by-play guy yet? I haven't seen it. It's not Chris Myers. It does not appear. It, it doesn't. He's out. I read Cappy tomorrow. Make sure you know what. Yes, put one that of in us. The notes. Yeah, one of us has to ask Cappy about that because I haven't. Seen, I guess I could Google it, mm-hmm. but he would have some. I would think an inside track as to what's going on there. Let's get Nate in here. It's the 29th, Is it the 29th of it December? Is. All day. We're talking baseball. <laughs> Hot stove. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Nate, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Sure, uh, thanks for calling. Talk, uh, yeah, Ken, uh, one of the guys in that trade coming back for the Cubs, one of those prospects you're talking about, Owen Kaisi. Uh, I was a scout for a little while. He's okay. a guy that, you know, I had pegs maybe going to the Cubs last draft. He's a Canadian. Uh, Just moved up in my book, really, Nate. Really, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think he's going to be a really good player. That's my guy, per se, to – Keep an eye on in this trade, maybe, you know, three, four, five years down the line. He's a high school kid. So maybe keep an eye on him, maybe maybe being one of those sneaky sneaky wins out of this trade. Do you still scout? No. No, I don't anymore. A little bit on the side here and yeah. there, but uh, ha- ha- still have some contacts in the industry that, that, are, that were really, really high on him. They saw him with the, with the Blue Jays scout team down last March. And okay. so 
I know that a lot of people in the industry are, are pretty high on that guy. Well, that's good information, and uh, we will file that away. Um, another fine Canadian lad making his mark. Uh, Nate, listen, uh, don't be a stranger to the program in the summer months, all right? Appreciate you. Uh, we love talking baseball here. Trent and I are big baseball fans, and it gets us through the summer months. So don't be a stranger. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, good information. Yes. It's, um, look, it, it, they brought a lot of young guys back, right? And it's it's a teardown on the north side. It'll be interesting to see who, once these guys do turn a corner, and you have to do this. I get why they're do. doing it. You have to do it. As tough as that is, because you certainly enjoyed the fruits of your team being on top, and it wasn't that too, too many years ago that they were, um, and it was such a monumental occasion that they got there. To have it go this bad, not bad, uh, to have it have turned this way this quickly it is tough to swallow. So we'll talk to Cappy tomorrow at 11.05 and look forward to doing that. So I've seen, obviously, the Yanks, as you'd anticipate from the Cubs fans. This is the return that you get. Mm-hmm. You can't get more from anybody else. The reality is the salary that is attached here. Yeah. And who true. in baseball is looking to add salary? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot. No. Right. That's just your 100% right. You can right. count it on yep. one hand? Yep. Probably. It's not like two teams were going after you, Darvish, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, okay, but you're going to give me your 11th ranked prospect and these guys. I got, I'm going to dangle this and, and uh, make the pot a little bit sweeter. It's a great point, Trent. It's a great point. I just don't think there are teams out there that you can do this. And when you're trying to go this route in in this, what we're dealing with right now, this is the reality. Well, look what the Padres have done. Blake Snell. Yeah. Look what his playoff right now. He got pulled too early last year, as we know. Uh, But Blake Snell is an innings eater. Mm -hmm. Um, And and now you bring you Darvish over there. To go along with Lamette, who we both really liked last year. Really seeing him in a full-time role for the first time. And Clevenger's out for the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Paddock's a nice guy. I mean, really inconsistent. But when he's going, he pumps it up there in the upper 90s. He's a guy that if you get him completely right, I guess whatever kind of direction you want to put it, He's got top-end talent, a bullpen that was pretty good a year ago. And, of course, we know about the offense with Manny. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a fun team. Tatis, yeah. future MVP. Oh, he's unbelievable to watch. My God, he's unbelievable. And they, We heard that they were coming. Mm-hmm. They're here. But they have... Look, they were fun in the playoffs. It was fun watching them last year. And they had the beautiful uniforms back. Thank goodness for that. And they got a beautiful ballpark. Yes, they do. It's it's an easy watch. Uh, So we talk a little baseball here on a snowy day in December, and that's what it's for. It has picked up again big time. Looking out at the... uh, of the window here on the 2141 Grand, and it is snowing sideways. It looks like a Colorado mountain type of day. You going to get back to Ankeny OK today? Well, I have to. we got to tape our Mediacom show. We do. we do it via Zoom. Um, yeah, sure. I You'll hope. be fine, yeah. i got a couple of meetings this afternoon. A little nervous well, about you gotta that. Well, you got to cancel those, don't you? you know, it pushes it back and want to get them in before the new year, you know. you yeah. got to get those things rolling. I guess. Yeah. Well, good for you. You're a go-getter. I, I tip my cap to you for that. Speaking of our television show, I don't know if you've uh, seen the updated script that I sent over I have not. Way, but there are two things I wanted to bring up here on the radio side. Okay. A couple of look-ahead lines, if you will, in both the NFL and in college football. And by the way, our TV show, it's, it's sports wagering. Yes. It's called Inside the Numbers. Uh, it's on MC22, and we tape it usually Wednesday, but because of the short week, we're taping it today, and it airs, what, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think. Yep. I think it airs six times. Anyways. Super Bowl 
Yep. AFC versus NFC. You've seen these oh, odds plenty they, they of times. Come, in they the come past. out as soon as the as soon as the game is over. Mm-hmm. If you're in Vegas, boom, yep. up on the board, you can bet next year's Super Bowl. Yeah. Not teams necessarily, but they put a line. AFC minus three, three and a half. Take a guess right now what the current point spread is, AFC versus NFC. Again, not knowing the teams, obviously the that'll AFC be in the Super Bowl. AFC versus the NFC. Trent, it's closer than you think. Um this is a good one. AFC is f- AFC's favorite. Yeah, is it two and a half? It's four and a half. Is that just still the Kansas City love? I would think that has to be a big part of it. Uh, the Buffalo Bill. By the way, I think <laughs> Buffalo is going to give the Chiefs everything they absolutely. And wouldn't that be spectacular? And I'm not saying this to get under the Chiefs fans' skin. This I'm isn't not. Bronco Ken. No, that th- he's long gone. He's Winnipeg Jet Ken now. My, <laughs> okay. I was I was that guy until my my sports heartbeat came back home. And by home, I mean Winnipeg. Um, but this Buffalo team trend, they're legit. Yeah. They are absolutely legit, and I think they're going to give the Chiefs fits. And I'm all for it. As a as a as a new blood type, look at those poor Bills fans. Yes, it's just Vikings fans and Bills fans. Broncos have exercised their demon. They were a part of that club. Is there anybody else? Well, there's a different club with the Browns and the Lions. Right, right. those yeah, but yeah. they don't. They they know what it's like to. They never get to that point to have their heart ripped up. Yeah. Year after year after year. Um, if the Bills were to get there, I think America would be good with that. Well, and certainly my generation and older that remember those Bills teams. Younger people, they saw maybe the NFL films of them, but they mm-hmm. don't remember those teams. But uh, people in their late 30s up through their 40s, and, and they remember those teams. And those, just some devastating losses. Oh, and how good those teams right. were. Yes. Hall of Famer running back, Hall of Famer wide receiver, Hall of Famer defensive lineman, Hall of Famer quarterback. Stacked. Stacked. And I'm probably missing some guys that maybe they're in the Hall of Fame off those teams. Four consecutive years to get there, unprecedented. And yes, probably will never That we'll never see again. Well, to to get there four straight and lose all of them. And to lose all of them. That's just it, Right. right? That's just it. I mean, they ran up against some good teams. The Cowboys were rolling at the time. Mm -hmm. Um,. They ran up against some good teams. The Giants picked them off. Yeah, well, I think I think um, I think we'd be good with that if we get new blood and if it is the Buffalo Bills. The Josh Allen story is great. Uh, yeah. Stephon Diggs is a terrific reclamation story because I think when he left, didn't he seem like a malcontent? Oh yeah, damaged goods. He seemed like yeah. that, right? Uh, he's a fifth over a fifth round pick coming out of Maryland. Which Remember that? that? I, Ridiculous! I, absolutely. Uh-huh. If you watched any Maryland football. You probably didn't watch a ton because they weren't in the Big Ten, I don't think, yet. Or maybe it was his last year. I think they were just in. But But you could tell that that guy was a dude. Yes. Okay, he's a little small, but he could play football. Right. He's going to be fifth round? Come on. Those are the ones that draft evaluators you kind of left shaking your head. Uh, Maryland's on Iowa's schedule next year, right? I think they are. Are they? I think it's I think it's Indiana. I know it's Indiana. They start, right? They open Indiana. Yep. So it would be Indiana-Iowa State. First two weeks, yeah. Ready or not, here they come. Yes. Um. I think it's Maryland, and Penn State's back. Penn State's back. I think Maryland, but I could be mistaken. Okay. Anyways, I don't know where we got there. Um, but yeah, so the, just to re, just to finish up on the Bills, impressive win last yes. night. Tip uh, uh, tip of the cap to the uh, to the New England Patriots. Last night, did you hear Levy at one point in the game was talking about this game last night was the first meaningless game 
that the Patriots have played since 2001. Yeah. And it was week one of 2001. (laughs) Think about that. And then compare that to your team, whoever your team might be. And we can go through the whole list of 31. And you can think of those awful December games that mean absolutely nothing. For some fans, you want your team to lose. I'm, I know not I'm everybody. One of them. Yes, you're one of those people. I'm one of those people. When it gets to that point, there's all that. I'm, I was fully anticipating the Bears to finish five and eleven. Yeah, look where they are, Trent. Yeah, either a win or a Rams win away from being in the playoffs. I'm getting dropped, but that's a different conversation. The other part: look at headlines for the college football playoff championship game. This this uh, this year is obviously this right? year's. Yes. Okay, so that's a good one. So Alabama is going to be favored over anybody. Obviously, they will be. But it's, let's say it's. Um, Ohio State, yeah, they would be favored double digits for sure over Ohio State. And I also would... remember, Ohio State has just beat Clemson, right? Yep, they would have to, to be to face Alabama, so they are favored two touchdowns, ten and a half. All right, so I was way over that, ten and a half, ten and a half. Uh, now Clemson, on the other hand, mm-hmm. so if that's ten and a half, then what would Clemson be? I was going to originally say a touchdown. So now I think I might be high. So I'll go six and a half. Four and a half. A little tighter. And where are these lines at? Uh, this is from... Well, hopefully DraftKings, Trent, because they're the only ones yes. that matter on this program now. Absolutely. We love DraftKings. This comes from offshore, though. This was from... Uh, what's that guy's name that always sends me stuff? Oh, uh, I know the guy. Shapiro yeah, um... with BetUS. Yeah, that's uh, where these come from. All right. Other look-ahead lines... If they get upset, if Alabama's not there. Okay, so it's Notre Dame and Ohio State. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Two upsets. Well, yeah. Um, Ohio State's favored by. Now, Notre Dame just picked off Alabama. Notre Dame is a public team. Um, Ohio State, a field goal. Touchdown. Touchdown. And Clemson, Notre Dame, three. <sighs> We just we just saw this game. We did. Um, this is a big number. This is a double digit number. Yeah. This is um, this is twelve. This is fourteen. Wow. That's what we get for the third one. Realistically, we're going to see Alabama and Clemson. And and, and you know what? Who gives Clemson fits? Teams that can throw the football. Uh-huh. The third best quarterback in college football, because after all. <laughs> Third team All American. Third team All American. He was just—I mean—he just snuck on to third team All American. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a field day, I think, against. And look at Sertain is a top. Patrick Sertan Jr. Uh-huh. is a top ten pick in this year's draft, and he play. He's a shutdown corner for Alabama, and a left side of the field shutdown corner where the shutdown corners reside. He's going to get picked on. They're all going to get picked on by Trevor uh-huh. Lawrence. I would bet. I would bet Clemson right now. Oh yeah. Speaking of our friends over at DraftKings, right now they have a extra little prop on Clemson instead of what they are right now, which is about plus 180 to win the national championship. You can get them at plus 250 to win the title. Mm, five to two. I like that. Yeah, I do too. You know what? I like it so much. I already bet. Probably- <laughs> Uh, we will talk to John Bowenkamp uh, coming uh, back from this commercial break. Uh, we're going to talk Iowa State. By the way, if you're a Cyclone fan, tomorrow at this time, we have uh, made arrangements to have the Oregon Writer 
from The Athletic join us. Look forward to speaking uh, to him uh, from an Oregon perspective. You know, um, everybody's been working on the pronunciation for the Oregon quarterback's name, right? Mm-hmm. Chuck is, uh, is how you pronounce, is pronounce it. He might not be a guy. Oh, really? The Boston College transfer who came in late in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. championship, Brown's his last name. He looked really good. To the, to the extent is Cristobal, who's... Cristobal apparently fibs to the media okay. more than the guy on the other side of the field, the Fiesta Bowl. And you know how Matt Campbell's nose grows when he talks about injury. Bowl, bowl season last year. Absolutely. And it's okay. You don't have to. You don't. You don't have to be transparent, forthright. You're allowed to do it. But apparently, um, Cristobal is, is, is even, takes it even further. But... It might be Brown. Is his name Anthony? Well, it's Brown for sure, and he's a Boston College transfer, um, and he may be playing in this football game. So it might not be Shuck, who's, who started uh, all season long. He waited behind Justin Herbert for his turn, uh, got his opportunity, and uh, hasn't taken advantage of it. 10.30, Miller and Condon, uh, this time tomorrow. Again, if you're a Cyclone fan, you want more on the Fiesta Bowl from an Oregon perspective, we'll do that 24 hours from now. Miller and Condon are with you until noon as we talk local sports with you on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460, KX0106. Till illness and their families. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460, KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Boyd Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Changing on the fly here. We're going to move John Bowenkamp to 11.05 and move up Michael Swain right now. Talk some Cyclones because Cyclone Media will have an opportunity in 25 minutes uh, to jump on a Zoom and to um, hear from the head coach of Iowa State, Matt Campbell. Uh, So we don't certainly want Michael Swain to miss that, and he wouldn't for us, nor should he. We don't expect him to. He's here with us now. We're grateful. Michael, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm staring at a uh, Zoom screen full of uh, Oregon players right now. Are you? So what week for Iowa State? No, it absolutely is. So are they tipping their cap? I guess Mario Cristobal is um, is even worse uh, for you know telling little fibs to the media about his roster and who uh, who may or may not play. I'm doing some kind of reading between the lines that, yeah, Shuck has been the starter in all of these games at quarterback, uh, but the kid that came in. Um, at some point late in the football game of the Pac-12 championship, Boston College transfer Anthony Brown uh, may have done some things that, it, at the very least, uh, he's going to. There's going to be some packages for him. What are you hearing, if anything, about Oregon's roster and how they will handle uh, the Fiesta Bowl? Definitely, and you are very right. From everything I've heard from our Oregon people and getting to listen to you know, Mario Cristobal talk. It definitely sounds like he's of the Matt Campbell ilk of right. you know, not trying to give away too much in terms of roster, what's going on. But yeah, that's an interesting maybe wrinkle we could see with, you know, Anthony Brown maybe coming in and getting some series against Iowa State. Obviously, you know, Shook has a relationship with Brock Purdy dating back yep. to their days at Arizona um, and high school football playing there. They trained together in the summer as well. That is definitely an interesting wrinkle. And something I'm looking for too this week is kind of what Kayvon Thibodeau's like. Um, mm, he's the Oregon defensive yeah. end. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the 2022 draft. Um, he's someone that I'm super fascinated with. Um, but 
those are probably the two matchups I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do at the quarterback position, though. It's a, a weird one. And the Arizona Connections, which you know is kind of fun angle. I know the Arizona papers have been writing about that. Saw a couple articles and people in Tucson as they uh, bring in their new coach saying, boy, how do we let these guys get out of our state? But that's the reality of the situation. The national spotlight, Michael, as you look at this and the importance for Iowa State, win the game, I don't think in the grand scheme of things matters, but just to show up and to represent themselves well, we know what a national spotlight game can do in a negative light, but in a positive light, what do you think a quality victory, a, a nice win would do here for the Iowa State program on a national scale? I think it could do a lot. I think just because of the, the name brand that comes us along with Oregon, you know, that's just one of the best college football programs in the country, mm-hmm. hands down, you know, one of the top jobs out there. And I think just to even be competitive against a team that, you know, we've heard Brees Hall talk about, you know, the five-star culture versus five-star talent. Well, this is another team that has a lot of five-star talent. So to be able to maybe showcase that, that you can compete against the teams that have that high-end talent that Iowa State maybe doesn't have at this point, you know, I think that can do a lot for some of those recruits that are on the fence. You know, I can think of a few down in Arizona that might be watching and thinking, oh, you know, Iowa State could, you know, make the most out of my ability. Um, and I think it could really help on the recruiting trail. I think it could just help in terms of um, the, the greater brand awareness of Iowa State football. Because I think we saw maybe this year with how the college football playoff rankings kind of went down with what, you know, people being upset that Iowa State was continuously put in the top 10 when, you know, the, the track record was there for Iowa State for them to deserve it. But I think just people see the logo and they see the name and they're like, wait, what is going on here? Why is Iowa State here? When in fact, you know, dig a little deeper and they've been one of the better college football teams in the country this year. So I think it really gives them a platform to maybe showcase what the program's about and really just show that, hey, you know, we can compete with the, the top teams in the country, you know, week in and week out. Yeah, and, to, and to, to win this football game and to finish the year, and they would be ranked in the top 10 uh, because they are now, and they're certainly not going to drop if you win the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, think about that. That's rarefied air for Iowa State to finish a year top 10 in, uh, in football with a win in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, Again, never, obviously, this is, this is something that's never happened. And just to be able to, you know, to, uh, to accomplish that would be remarkable. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, I think just think about the tenure of Matt Campbell. You know, we're not even in like year six, seven, eight. Like we're still pretty early on in the grand scheme of things here. And to be at this point, at this, you know, uh, to be this far along at this point in Matt Campbell's tenure is incredibly encouraging. And I, I know it's, you know, this year has been fun and it's been super unprecedented, but think about next year. And I know you don't really want to look forward at this point in the season, but man, if you get a lot of guys back, you're looking at it. Maybe you finish top 10 this year. Maybe you start top 15 next year, man, like you're looking at starting to put some building blocks together of becoming, you know, one of these programs within the big 12 that year in and year out can be one of those teams that's talked about of being able to play in Arlington, you know, year in and year out match up with Oklahoma and Texas, um, and it should be super exciting. And I think that, you know, this season is something that shows that Iowa State not only is headed in the right direction, but maybe it has raised the possible ceiling that I think maybe mm. some didn't think was even possible. Where, you know, you think about Iowa State and the ability to compete year in and year out. You look at other teams across the Big 12, someone like an Oklahoma State, for example, who has ups and downs. But now you kind of see Iowa State on the uptrend. The question will now be is, you know, can you do this for three consecutive years, four mm-hmm. consecutive years, long term? Uh, fair, fair points. Uh, you know, you mentioned get some guys back, and um, 
I, I know that you know. It seems like the Charlie Kohler um, throughout the year, you know, he's gone. He's going to the NFL after this one. And Mike Rose, I mean, to, to finish where he did uh, to make the uh, uh, second team All American uh, at a team as he did with, with the AP. That well, you got to think he's going. What I was told yesterday, Michael, and I'm anxious to hear your take on it or your opinion, and maybe you've got some more intel on this. That it is not a foregone conclusion that these guys won't be back next year. Um, that there's a 50-50, maybe better than 50-50 chance that Mike Rose and Charlie Kohler are both Cyclones uh, when we get to September of 2021. Have you heard that? Yeah, yes. Um, I would say that Mike Rose, I would, I personally, my opinion is Mike Rose is probably a lock to be back next year. My thought process on that is you will get the Bookkiss Award, um, which is for the best linebacker. That is kind of voted on by NFL scouts and people that are real versed in kind of the professional football game. And they didn't include him. So I think that might give you some inkling into what maybe the NFL people think of Mike Rose right now. But imagine what another really good season for him could do in terms of his draft stock. As far as Charlie Kohler goes, um, I think that he's probably one that's one of those that's on the fence. Um, I think that, you know, he could obviously help his stock by coming back another year. But I think also maybe for him, you think about debating going to the draft after last season, you know, after another really good season, does he say, you want to know what, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. Let's try out this professional thing. But I, I will always keep coming back to this. From after the Big 12 title game, Charlie Kohler was, you know, super emotional talking mm-hmm. about Brock Purdy. Yep. Um, and that's something I won't forget is him, you know, dropping some curse words and talking about Brock Purdy being a warrior and how he'd go to battle with him every day. And I just think, would Kohler come back to play with Purdy one more year? You know, because I think that could be something that could get him to come back next season. Hmm. Are they, no, it's, it's Purdy. It's Travis Hines article from yesterday. Purdy, Brees Hall and Mike Rose live together. I don't think Kohler's part Mm. of that. Anyways, go ahead. Trent. Oregon. They're ranked 25th, but they have a couple of bad losses. They beat USC, but that USC team seemed to be living on borrowed time. Frankly, on paper, Iowa State's a lot better than them. I think they are, too. But still a football game, and things can concern you. What does concern you? When you look at this Oregon team, what do you say is something that could give Iowa State some problems? I think their defensive front. Yeah, they get after the quarterback. You're 100% right. Exactly. And what has hurt Iowa State this year? It's against Oklahoma State when Brock Purdy's running for his life. It's against Oklahoma in the second half where Brock Purdy's running for his life. It's in those moments where Purdy is having to create something out of nothing that we've seen him struggle and have interceptions. That's kind of my fear is if Oregon basically says, all right, we're going to put Thibodeau on Sean Foster or Joey Ramos or Remsburg, depending on who starts at right tackle. And we're just going to have him go to town and have him rush every down. And he's going to have success because he's going to go to the NFL and he's going to be a top pick in the NFL draft. I mean, we've seen what guys like Miles Garrett have done in college football in years past, and he is someone of that ilk. So I think for me, like if you're talking about what am I going to be looking for in the first quarter, the first two drives of the game for Iowa State, how do they protect Brock Purdy? Are they going to chip mm-hmm. Thibodeau with you know, some of the tight ends? Are they going to double Thibodeau? How are they going to kind of go about trying to limit Oregon's pressures up front. That's a great point because they got after um, uh, Slovis in, in the Big 12. I mean, he was running for his yes, life. And we saw him last year in the Holiday Bowl, and he looked fantastic against a pretty good front of Iowa. But I'll tell you what, um, 
uh, this uh, this Oregon front <laughs> was causing some fits. Uh, Michael, listen, we appreciate you coming on. Just real quick, I guess, because basketball precedes the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, this start of this Big 12 play. Look, uh, Trent and I were just harping on how good the Big 10 is at the beginning of the show, and it is. Uh, but the Big 12's got some, got some teams, too. Let's not kid ourselves. And Iowa State is going to see every single one of them at the top of that uh, standings right off the bat, including Baylor on Saturday. What... Um, What's realistic for this Iowa State team? Is it to take baby steps? Is it to show some improvement? You know, when we get into February, early March, uh, is is that what what would appease the fan base? What would appease the folks that come to Cyclone Alert and post on your board? What do they want to see? I mean, they want to see games won. Um, I, I don't know how realistic that is, just given the way the the roster is constructed and just how good the Big Twelve is. I mean, you look at the start of their Big Twelve slate, just. You know, Texas, Baylor, Texas Tech, it's like that's just not the way you want to start. But I think in terms of the the growth of this team, because it is a young team, you want to see Xavier Foster take some steps forward. You want to see guys like Darlington, Dubar, Dudley Blackwell show that they can compete at the Big 12 level and, and contribute. Maybe not consistently, because that's not what you're going to get out of freshmen. But if they can show flashes of it, I think that's what's going to be encouraging. And I think the goal for Iowa State fans should be, you know, early on, try and be competitive late on in the year when you get those two games against TCU, you get to go to Mississippi State at the end of January. Maybe by the end of January, this team looks a little bit better just in terms of the growth and the development of it to where maybe you can knock off a TCU and Oklahoma kind of in the back end of the Big 12 slate. I hope they're careful going to Mississippi State. Missouri just went to Mississippi State. That didn't end well uh, for the Tigers football-wise anyways. Uh, Michael, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, happy New Year to you. We will talk to you in uh, 2021. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Michael Swain, Cyclone Alert, part of 24-7 Sports. Um, finish top 10, beat Fiesta Bowl, win the Fiesta Bowl. As high as... Well, we don't know the Cardinals. Florida's got 60 scholarship players against Oklahoma. Right. And one of those two teams is going to lose. Right. So you're going to jump at least a spot. I would think. All right, let's let's pull up the standings here. At least the the rankings. Did they, they don't do a final uh, no, college uh, football. No, no. It's only AP. Correct. So let's bring up the AP poll where Iowa State is 12th, okay. remember. Yep. Ahead of them. Well, Coastal Carolina has already lost. Yep. Anticipate they will fall below Iowa State with a win. Mm-hmm. Florida or Oklahoma will lose. Yep. There's another spot. Georgia, they face off against uh, Cincinnati. Right. Um, yes. So those two teams I rank. I like Cincy in that game, by the way. And they, Iowa State would jump ahead of them. So there's three. Mm-hmm. Indiana plays Ole Miss. I love Ole Miss. Do you really? Plus seven and a half all day. Okay. That Indiana team is limited offensively. And Ole Miss isn't. (laughs) Without Penix. The transfer quarterback from Utah is okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's not great by any means. That's probably about it, though. So you could get four more. You could get as high as eight, I'm going to say. But just to finish in the top. We're talking about Iowa State. Yeah. Finishing in the top ten in the eight. But that's what's on the line in the Fiesta Bowl. And honestly, Trent, I think for well, as we're seeing with the, with some of these bowls, as you said at the beginning of the show, and it, it's becoming it's starting to sink in with me. And I didn't buy it at first. Um, the, the the bowl system needs a tweak. Yes, it does. I don't know what you can do. And I'm good with players, Lee. And if, if you want to opt out because you're going to the NFL, opt out. Mm-hmm. Do what's good for you at this point. You've 
done wonders for the university. Get it? The university's done well for you. They they put you in a spot to go make money. It's a two way street. But um, I don't know what it could be. I mean, po- what possibly could be done? I don't know. Go back to the old system and then have a playoff after that. We well, have to expand the playoff. I would. If the Cotton Bowl was part of a playoff, I would like to believe that. A couple of the kids that are opting out wouldn't have. Sure. Pitts is going to the NFL. Mm, yeah. Go. Get out. You should. Um, and if you want to leave early, leave early. And this is an unprecedented year. Right. Trent Jake Butt is a perfect example yes. for Michigan. He's still on the Broncos roster, and he's hurt year after year. I thought he was, in college, before he was drafted, I thought, boy, oh boy, this guy's going to have a long career, and look out. Tony Gonzalez and some of these guys at the top of those lists before some of the new guys came along. Mm-hmm. I thought he was that type of player. Speaking of tight ends, another Jake, Jake Doozy. There's another one. He looked to be yes. destined to be that next great right. Iowa tight end. The yep. speed, yep. that run up the sideline in the horseshoe against that Ohio State defense. Mm. He gets injured, and for all intents and purposes, yep. it's over for him. He tried to hang around a little bit. There are so many of these stories. It's such a physical sport. I got no problem. Yeah. Opt out. And I don't care what game it is. I don't care if it's the national championship game. If yeah, look at it. It would be hypocritical for for me to say, well, it's okay from the jump the, mm-hmm. from the Music City Bowl or the Insight. But uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is banged up, and he says Trevor Lawrence played this season. He did. He didn't have to. <laughs> Came back after COVID to play more of this season. He's um, a special guy. You know. You know what, Trent? And he's going to Jacksonville. Is, I mean. Is, With Urban Myers as coach, good, well, maybe is that oh, we're out of hour. Damn it! I was going to let's take a break and talk about it. We got we'll have a little time on the well. We, okay, yeah. we'll come back. Finish the the hour. Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty kicks and 0106. Final couple of minutes, hour number one, Miller and Condon coming up in the second hour. We'll talk Hawks with John Bowen Camp. They've got Northwestern tonight. Eight o'clock, you can hear the game down the hall on WHO Radio, or you can watch it. It's on FS1, 219 on DTV. All right, so just real quick, because the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> certainly don't move the needle in Des Moines or anywhere else for that point, which is kind of my point. Is it a good thing? That he's going there, or is it a out of sight, out of mind? I mean, it, are they the most irrelevant franchise of the thirty-two in the NFL? Oh, I think so. I do too. I think the gap is pretty significant between them and everybody else. I mean, there's have. a reason why the NFL sends them to London as often as possible, yes. right? Now, the ownership group also a part of that with the ownership stakes that they have across the pond. But yeah, it's because it's North Florida. <laughs> it's a small market in comparison to most yeah. every other. The side of Green Bay, NFL mm-hmm. City. It's different. You don't have the history to go along with it. Talk and they a got a Super Bowl. They Jacksonville. Get, everybody gets a Super Bowl, though, anymore. You build a stadium, you get a Super Bowl. Well, they built one in Denver. They didn't get one. That's a good point. Why is that? Well, Did it happen? It happened out, before. Look outside. Well, <laughs> it's true. You know how they're... You remember the stories of them talking about Kansas City? Of them trying to... Like a retractable roof yeah, just do. to put yes, over. I do. And... That never came to fruition, though. Or well, obviously, not never, not right, right now. But uh, did it, no? Is but, it a back burner thing, or is it just no? It's never going to work. Well, the stadium that we're in Kansas City that's that's being talked about is moving the Royals downtown, right? And I haven't heard much about that lately, yeah. recently. But so, is it a good thing or a bad thing, Lawrence and Jacksonville? Good for the league because it makes them more relevant. The Jets would be better. 
Yes, it's New York. The Lions would be better. Do you know where it's it's better that he's in Florida as opposed to going to New There's no state tax in, in Florida. Better for Which his bankroll. huge, huge plus for Trevor Lawrence. I'm anxious to see his impact on the game. I really am. Look, the AFC South, is there a... Yeah. It's the least relevant national... Really, right? Yeah. Yeah, new franchises, different franchises, franchises with smaller fan bases. Tennessee? Houston, for once, won't be playing in the early wildcard game for the first. That streak's coming to an end. And we get extra game this year. That's true. Miller and Condon, uh, we've got another hour, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.